Welcome to the North Florida Wrestling Show. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with a true trailblazer in the world of women's wrestling, Leah James. As an American freestyle and beach wrestler, Leah has achieved remarkable success on the mat, representing her country at numerous international competitions and winning a bronze medal at the 2015 World Wrestling Championships. But Leah's accomplishments go beyond wrestling. She has also served in the U.S. Army Reserve for 14 years, rising to the rank of captain, and holds a master's degree in management. Today, Leah is using her wealth of experience to inspire and mentor the next generation of wrestlers as women's wrestling coach of Grand Canyon University. We are excited to hear more about Leah's journey and her insights on the sport of wrestling and her plans for the future. So let's go ahead and welcome to the show, Leah James. Welcome to the show, Leah. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, man. We're really excited to have you at uh, the Niceville Wrestling Academy this weekend for um, for the the clinic. But so we wanted to get to know a little bit more about you before we all uh, get to meet you. Um, so what made it, what motivated you to try out for wrestling in the first place? I started wrestling on a dare, so I needed a, a winter sport. I was already pretty successful in terms of you know, what I was doing in high school. I ran track, I swam, I was heavily into music. Uh, I was the drum major of the marching band for two years. And so by senior year, I was looking for just another thing to do like that would, that would be active that potentially could offer me maybe college opportunities or whatever. Uh, so I, I was sitting in the cafeteria and I was hanging out with my friends and the wrestling coach walked past me. He's like, you think you're tough? You wouldn't last two weeks in the wrestling room. And so that, that challenge, I think just sparked, he had, you know, Brian Boker was my high school coach and he has a knack for, for finding kids that have an edge to them. And he's watched me compete, you know, in track and, and throwing and, and he just said, you know, I think she has, has a knack, but he couldn't come at me because, you know, when you're young, you're defiant, right? So you can't say like, come join the wrestling team. Then maybe he would have gotten a no or like, you're crazy. So the fact that he told me that I wouldn't even last, that I would never make it and that you're not tough enough. (laughs) It was just the right thing to say to a person who loved to accept ridiculously challenging things. So, (laughs) so I, I showed up at the wrestling room, the walls were sweating, people were getting thrown all over the place. And I was like, what have I gotten myself into? But uh, that, the rest was history. I started wrestling right then and there and placed All-American, went to college, and, you know, it just took straight off. So you got reverse psychology into wrestling. I did. I did. Now looking back, and I'm like, oh, he got me. But it was he the best me. decision. It was the, it was the best offer of my life. So what, uh, it, what, year, what year in high school did you start wrestling? I started wrestling in 1999. I was 17 years old, going on 18, and just looking for, you know, like every, like every young adult looking for that path um, or what, where I'm supposed to go. And so for a while there, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll go, you know, for music and I'll study this and I'll, you know, do that. But it really didn't, like, ignite that fire in me. So when wrestling came around, it, it grabbed a hold of me like no other sport. It, it's, you know, just with, especially with people like, I mean, just say like people who have a high IQ, right. They like challenging situations because it's like a Rubik's cube wrestling. You just try to figure it out. You, you have so many different angles and so many different variables that it just kind of grabbed a hold of me. I wanted to be good at it immediately. And I wasn't, I was absolutely horrible at it in the beginning. It's just 
terrible wrestler. <laughs> but, you know, I, I knew that if I put the right work in, I could be good at this. And so I just kind of dug in and continued on. And from there, it was almost like, you know, God was telling me, like, you can go down this path, which is nothingness, and or you can go down this path, which has many, many opportunities open for you. So here's an opportunity to go to college and get a scholarship. Here's an opportunity to wrestle for the United States of America and the United States Army. Here's an opportunity to go become a resident athlete at the Olympic Training Center. So the doors for wrestling for women just continued to open, you know, every time I turned around and I needed to make a decision, wrestling was there for me. Well, uh, so you say you weren't that great. I mean, or you weren't that great initially. I mean, starting at 17, 18, and then going on in All-American in, in high school, that's a pretty pretty big deal. Um, how did you close that gap so fast from beginning so late to, um, you know, getting uh, to go to college and wrestle All-American against high school? Yeah, um, I, I say not that great, but wrestling, I realized in New Jersey, they're a hotbed for wrestling. So whatever my not good was nationally was pretty darn good. Right. So I didn't, I barely squeaked out in New Jersey alive, but when I, when I, when I got out and went to go wrestle at the national championships in Michigan, I was really good. I was not bad at all. Um, so there's, there, there's obviously a comparison. My, my little snow globe that I learned wrestling in, I was getting beat up left and right. I think I accidentally won a match on default because I elbowed the guy in his tooth out. You know, that was, that was my, that was my highlight of my high school career before I got sponsored to go to nationals. Um, I closed the gap by being relentless in my pursuit of knowledge of the sport. I stayed after with Johnny Carson and Raymond Garcia and any coach Squib or any of the coaches, Josh Schnone, um, anybody that would l allow me to drill on them that would be willing to give me more information and more knowledge about how to get better at this sport. I stayed for hours and hours and hours after practice in the wrestling room and continue to try to just close the gap on my competition. And uh, I think that's really where it paid off. It, I mean, it's not like I placed really high in the All-American. I was in the last place, sixth place to place All-American. But in my first year, looking back, that was an amazing accomplishment. And I did get put into the Hall of Fame for Rancocas Valley as one of its uh, one of two national champions or excuse me, uh, all Americans from high school, um, to represent that school. So, um, I, without knowing it, I put myself around Johnny Carson, who was also an all American in high school. I put myself around him and exponentially the person that you hang out with or the people that you associate with, you become that person or you become as good as that person or better. And so without even realizing it, because he was motivated to, to do, you know, well in wrestling and become an all American, I exponentially rubbed, you know, he rubbed off on me and in terms of the, um, of wanting to stay after and practice and get better and become an all American as well. Man, I tell my son that all the time, make sure you're hanging out with like the right people because they're going to help lead you in the right ways. Even mm -hmm. if they're going on different paths, you know, you want to make sure you're going in the right. I didn't even know it at the time. It was just like the person who was willing to stand there and let me drill or, or continue to teach me, you know, yeah. Um, well, you know, speaking of direction, how did you end up at Missouri Valley College? Um, that's pretty far away from Jersey. It is. And I had never left New Jersey at that time. So this was quite an adventure. Uh, I was working in a surf shop uh, for the for the high school coach, Brian Boker. Him and his family uh, worked and managed various surf shop on Long Beach Island, New Jersey. And while I was there, um, I guess the the picture from wrestling it's not usa wrestling magazine it was like 
Wrestler USA. So it was like reverse. It was yeah. the opposite one. So that magazine published all of the All-Americans and photos of all the All-Americans um, in their magazine. And so from there, there were five colleges and universities that were starting women's wrestling programs, and Missouri Valley was one of them. Uh, Mike Michaels being an incredible recruiter and an incredible um you know, person who just, he, he called up and he recruited as many female wrestlers out of that magazine as possible. We ended up with like 40 girls on the team our first year and we competed against three, four other universities. I think it was Menlo, uh, Pacific university of Minnesota, Morris, Cumberland. So there was a, there was that, I think that was the four that had women's wrestling programs at that time. And, um, I'd never been to Missouri before, but that school, the price was right. The scholarship was right. The financial aid was good um, in terms of my situation. And it made sense because the other offers I had were more expensive, not as clear to me as in terms of like, yeah, I want to continue wrestling. This sport has like seized my heart, you know? So I, I'm passionate about this sport and I want to keep going. And they had my major there. So I, paid my friend, Kelly Robbins, I paid her a hundred dollars to drive me to Missouri. I didn't know it wasn't enough, but, <laughs> but you know, back in the day I was like, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And she's like, all right, cool. So she drove me to Missouri and dropped me off there. And I didn't look back. I hadn't been back to New Jersey in like 20 years. I just kept on wrestling around the, the you know, I, finished at Missouri Valley. I placed, I was a national champion, a two-time All-American uh, for Missouri Valley. I joined the United States Army, learned about the Army's world-class athlete program, and then also learned about, uh, you know, that they were opening up slots to become a resident athlete at, at the Olympic Training Center. So, I mean, when I say doors just kept opening and I just kept walking through them. When did you join the, um, the U.S. Army Reserve? I joined as a junior I lacked major discipline. Uh, I joined as actually the end of my sophomore year, the beginning of my junior year. Um, college is tough. You know, it's an adjustment. I wasn't thriving. And it wasn't because of anything else besides the fact that I lacked the discipline um, in order to get my work done and to participate in wrestling and to participate in, you know, whatever it is that I wanted to do. So I joined the Army to build a financial foundation so I didn't have to worry about working at, you know, the, uh, what is, I think I was working at Pizza Hut. Um, I didn't have to worry about that. I just figured, you know what, I am the only female in, my, female in my family to join the military, but I have other family members that have built a huge foundation. My dad was in the Navy. My uncles were all in the Navy. My grandfather was in the Navy. Um, and so the Army, I learned, had a wrestling program that accepted women. So it seemed like a really great lead-in. The moment I got back from basic training, I was a split option soldier. So the moment I got back from basic training, my wrestling career took off for college. That year with that discipline, uh, with not going to the parties, not going to, you know, staying up late, focusing on my um, cardio. I would wake up at 5 a.m. with the with the Army program, uh, with the ROTC unit. And I'd be running and doing push-ups and sit-ups 5 a.m. And then I'd go straight to class and then I'd come back and then I'd be going straight to practice and then I'd be hustling on my work. So just that that uh, that dedication and that focus rubbed off on me and I became an All-American that year. 
it was like night and day. See, I love that you say that too, because I, that, that's what happened to me. My first year in college, it was just extremely overwhelming and I didn't have that discipline to, you know, prioritize things properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard some, I forget who had, had told this to me or if they had heard it from somebody else, but they're like, you know, you can be good at about two things in college. And if you make partying one of them, something else is going to, going to suffer. That's you know, if you don't have that discipline to go, I tell my wrestlers too all the time. I'm like, if you feel like you need to take a year to, to get ready mentally, you could be ready physically, mm-hmm. you know, all you want, ready to go in that wrestling room. But if you can't get it done, you can't manage then you know, that person that's a second string or third string they're end up going to take your spot and they never have to beat you for it, you know, mm-hmm. and then they're going to end up getting more experience and better. So mm-hmm. that's a really, I really, I'm glad that you, you put that in there of, of, of developing that discipline and then immediately, you know, getting. It getting took off that, right uh, away. The, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I tell all, I'm like, if, as soon as you, a, a lot of my, a lot of my wrestlers, I'm like, as soon as you get just a little bit more discipline, you're going to notice leaps and bounds. It's not anything big. You know, there's no big secret. It's just start getting a little bit more dedicated and disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, just, just, uh, being able to focus on doing the right things. Um, you know, the army holds you accountable for everything, holds you accountable for your time, holds you accountable for the substances that you put in your body, holds you accountable for your effort. Um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, that was really something that was key and pivot, uh, and pivotal in my, um, ascent in wrestling for sure. So what was it like training at the Olympic training center? <laughs> uh, I remember, okay, so this is, is kind of a funny story on how I even got there. Um, I went to, and it just seemed like in my career, I just kind of squeaked through based on their, their whatever. So, um, I learned that the Olympic training center was, was accepting resident athletes that were ranked, uh, top seven. So I went to the university of nationals and I placed seventh. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I go up to Terry Steiner and I, and I, and I go to him and I say, Hey, I just placed seventh in the nation. You know, I really want to see if there's an opportunity for me. And he looked at me and he said, I'm Troy. You must be looking for my twin brother, Terry. <laughs> so I had no idea they were twins. So I've, by the time I got to Terry, I wasn't nervous anymore because I had already put on my spiel on Troy. <laughs> so, so. You got to do a backup. You, oh, man, that's how you do it. You know how yeah. many times I got to do redo this over and over again? Yeah. So I had practice on on getting getting my leg in the door. So uh, Terry said, just fill out the, the resident application. I was, I was amazed. I, if I would say I was awestruck when I walked into the Olympic Training Center and I saw those huge Olympic rings. And I remember watching the Olympics as a kid and I was really into figure skating and track and gymnastics like every other person in the world. Um, I was really just interested in watching just this, you know, Olympics was just an amazing thing. Here I am standing in the middle of the quad at the Olympic Training Center with the huge rings in front of me and all the Olympic values and the quotes from different Olympians of the past. And I was just like, how did I get here? How did I get here? And, you know, my friends were like, you made the right decision every single step of the way you had choices to make and you made the choices and there, and here you are, you're, you're incredible for the fact that I think that anybody who puts their mind to something, they can do it, but you did do it. So I think that's the difference. I, 
I gave myself a pat on the back at that moment because I had the choice not to have discipline. I had the choice not to join the military or not to get my grades or not to go to college or not to go to practice and not to put the effort in. I had those choices at any moment. Nobody asked me to do this. None of my family wrestles. You know, there's nobody around me as a pot, you know, as a role model in terms of wrestling goes. I, it was just something I tried in high school. Um, but I made a bunch of really good decisions and ended up there. And I was just at that moment, I was just like completely one proud of myself for for doing that for me. Um, but also just just completely in awe at the fact that I was getting ready to to train alongside of other prominent Olympic athletes. Well, speaking of uh, other prominent Olympic athletes, who was uh, who was your clique over there? Who did you hang out with? Man, there was a lot of uh, Melissa Abadaka was one of my best friends. I mean, both me and her came from uh, pretty tough backgrounds, um, you know. So I we hung out all together as as a squad. Usually, I mean, especially when you're on the world team. I was on the world team with Adeline Gray, with Helen Maroulis, with uh, Sarah McMahon. Jenny Wong, uh, Patricia Miranda. These are all the older athletes that are right before me. Uh, Katie Downing. Um, they were all a little bit before me. And then uh, as I started to stay at the program and then some of them phased out, uh, we had Aaron Claudio, Alyssa Lampy, who's still competing today. Um, Forrest Molinari was coming in right as I was on my way out. Um, Kelsey Campbell was there pretty much the entire time. Yelena Priashkova, uh, was my roommate. Um, and, uh, Jessica uh, Medina, uh, was also there at the time. She's a little bit younger than me. So, um, Clarissa Chun, uh, we were college roommates and then we both came over and became, uh, you know, at the Olympic training center together and she stayed to become a coach and then eventually now the coach of Iowa. Um, so she was there pretty much my entire lifetime journey. Um, some lesser known names, but Rachel Bernardez, who's a uh, wife of Aaron Siraki. Um, so you may know him because he was, you know, in the game until he was late forties. Um, and around me, uh, as far as coaches go, I had Brandon Slay, I had Steve Frazier, Terry Steiner is Vlad is Um, the Yugoslavian gold medalist, um, in Momir Petkovic, um, and then Anatoly, uh, who was a piece of work, by the way, older guy from also Armenia. So there, uh, you know, I, I lived right down the street from, uh, let me see what his name is. Um, Zadik. I lived down the street from Zadik. Um, Bill Zadik. I think his, he had, a, I'm not as close to his brother, but I was down the street from Bill Zadik. So, I mean, I could probably continue to go on and on about, um, who was around Sally Roberts was my training partner for the 2012 world championships. Um, yeah, just, uh, Stephanie, Stephanie Murata, uh, was there also. She's a multiple time world medalist. So that, I don't know. There, there is the, the, there's so many, (laughs) there's so many people. Um, a lot of them you may not remember. A lot of them you may not remember. Some of them you probably do. That must be crazy though, just being around all those athletes. Cause I remember being on just like some of my national teams and seeing like these guys that had like way more accomplishments than I did. It's just like, man, these guys are really good. And then you're literally hanging out with like Olympic champions and everything. Yeah. Brendan Slade taught me his double. He still comments on my stuff today. Um, I don't take offense to it because he's very good. Obviously I, you know, about getting coached by all these people. I mean, uh, 
if they're not saying something to you, then, then they don't care about your career. So when they're criticizing me or they're positive, he calls it like, um, encouragement, you know, uh, constructive encouragement. I like that term. Um, because I mean, obviously if a coach is taking interest in your career, um, Bobby Douglas took an interest in my career. He advocated for me when I was pregnant with my daughter and, uh, they, I wanted to come back into wrestling and nobody had done that before. Nobody had been pregnant, trained through their pregnancy and came back to make a world team or to try to attempt to make an Olympic team. And so the Olympic training center didn't know what to do with me. So they, they removed my residence access. Bobby Douglas advocated for me and got me put back into the, the system so that I was able to continue training through my pregnancy. And the only reason why I won that world medal is because of him, because I would not have been able to do it without that advocacy. Um, and now you see a lot of our, my friends that are on the world teams and Olympic team and national team having children, starting their family, getting married, and then coming back and competing and doing just fine and being great. So now it's relatively normal. For me, it wasn't when I first started out. So these are some of the, the things that, that I went through as far as, you know, blazing some trail for women's wrestling and, and having some key supporters like Bobby Douglas, um, you know, in my corner advocating for me when I didn't even realize that I had anything to advocate about. Can you speak to that? Um, that whole I didn't know that you had that. So you got your da- had your daughter the same year that you got your in the same uh, run of getting your your world medal. Uh, I was in the same quad. So I I got married to Ben Provisor, and we had our daughter Evelyn in 2013. So I was pregnant in 2012 after the Olympics. He went to the Olympics in London, and I went to the World Championships following that was one and done. And I did not compete. I've not been competing at that point. Well, on the international level, I was still not breaking through that international level. So I was like, listen, I'm getting older in my life. I need, you know, I started a family. So I had Evelyn in 2013, 2014, I come back. So I trained through my pregnancy, 2014, I came back. I didn't know what, what was going on, but it took a long time to get back in the weight class that I wanted to be in. Um, and to get back, you know, it was really slow in the beginning. Um, I, so I lost almost every match I think in 2014. And then in 2015, I turned that corner and started training with the army WCAP again. And I won every match with the exception of my semifinals match at the world championships. Um, and I took bronze that year. So I think I, if, if anything, I proved that once, even if I am 33, even if I do have a child and they, nobody thought at that point, you know, Lee's had many, many world teams to make, a, to win a medal. Why would it be this time? You know, what's different about this time than any other time? She's older. She's a mom. She's got all this stuff. So the whole universe was questioning why I was doing this. And I just knew inside of me, I said, I still got it. I don't know why I believe this, but I still have this fire, this passion. And I think everybody who wrestles can understand when the fire goes out, it's out. But when you still have it, there's nothing that's going to stop you from, from wrestling and competing and going after your goals. And so that's how I felt at that time. Um, you know, just nothing was going to stop me from going after my goals. And I won a world medal that year. Nobody expected it. So that's kind of the, the amazing part of it. And 
um, you know, as a side note, that medal against was against Azerbaijan. So that pushed Azerbaijan into the fourth place position and pushed Team USA women's wrestling into the third place position. So we medaled that year for the first time as a team. All because of a mother. You know what I'm saying? All because of, I got some mom strength. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm just want to say yes, here at the North Florida Wrestling Show, we believe in mom power all day. Yes, so. absolutely. It's real. I mean, maybe like, you know, how did, how did having a daughter, did, you know, did having a daughter, you know, push you to work a little bit harder or was that something that you just felt was an extra, I want to say distraction or did you just feel like, um, how is it? How was that dynamic, um, uh, of being a mother and, and competing at a world level? Uh, it was definitely different. Um, I mean, it was definitely different. Uh, Ben was injured that year, so he, he did a lot of the legwork. Um, but I had an amazing partner in Will Simpson. He's a major now, so Major Will Simpson in the United States Army. Um, I he he was a dad of of a lot of kids. So adding Evelyn into the mix, he was ex- incredibly helpful um, in making sure that the the burden I didn't have an extreme burden on my shoulders. I mean, Evelyn is is if you know my kids, she's. She's a mama's girl. Um, she just, you know, she loves her mom and she's always been clinging to her mom. Um, I mean, she loves her dad too, but there, there's this, this bond that she just like, and I remember like Ben's walking next to me and we're going ready for my semis or, or for my final match for third place at the world championship. So we were in, uh, in Las Vegas at that time and somebody was yelling at him saying like, let her put the baby down, pick up the baby. And she just wouldn't, she just like, she was just like glue. (laughs) So I incorporated Evelyn into most of my workouts because I didn't have a choice. If I was squatting, she was on my shoulders. If I was deadlifting, she was like on my back. I just had this like backpack that went on the front and the back. It didn't matter. I was front loading. I was back loading. I was doing whatever it took. And so she was with me for uh, along the ride for all of that training. And it was just a different experience. Um, I remember Aaron Tomio being at a developmental coach over at the, at the Olympic training center, um, following her retirement for injury concussion. So she concussioned out, um, uh, around, I think 2009 or something. Um, she was giving me a hard time cause I was late to practice, you know? And, and at the end of the day, I was ready to go, but my daughter, like, needed to change her diaper five seconds as we walked out of the door, you know? And so I had to stop, I have to stop and be a mom at that point that she takes priority. I'm not going to let her sit in through practice with a dirty diaper. So I'm going to change her diaper and I'm going to show up when I'm, when I'm, when I'm there. They had, uh, some people had a hard time with that. Some people, you know, they're like, we should lock the door and kick you out. And I'm like, you're not going to do that. And so it was a lot of like me, you know, that wrestler inside of me going toe to toe, with with things that had to change in terms of my training i was going to be a few minutes late sometimes if you know i was going to have to stop and take care of my daughter at times so people were going to have to learn to be flexible and that that experience was really valuable to me because that was really where i really honed in and said you know what this is my journey this is my journey in this sport and my daughter is included in that journey. And if, if you, if you or anybody else around me in terms of my coaching staff cannot process the fact that I have this responsibility and I'm going to continue to do this. So, you know what I mean? So I had to advocate for myself. I had to take autonomy over my career. I had to say like, all right, well, I don't need an hour long grind match. Maybe I just need to wrestle a few more drills, 
let's get one, you know, two, you know, one match in and then, then be done. So I started at that age dictating a lot of my training because wrestling is an individual sport. I paid my dues. I was in the gauntlet. I was in the grind. I was part of the system. I came out of the system of, of what I would consider the McDonald's university of wrestling, which is that Olympic training center room. I'd been in that process for 10 years at that point. So I, I, and I hadn't gotten what I wanted. So what was, what was going to be a problem with me taking the risk and trusting myself for a change, trusting that I knew what was going to be best for me and my family at this moment. And so I took that leap because what else did I have to lose? I was already, I already didn't break through. I already been one and done at two world championships. What, what, uh, it would be worth the risk for me to find out if I have it inside of me to dictate what I know is best for myself. Well, and like you said, it all comes down to choices. Because, I mean, like, if you would have neglected your daughter, you know, I'm sure that bronze medal wouldn't have meant near as much, you know, especially. Yeah, it's just, and I mean, you got to incorporate her in part of your training. That's so cool, you know? Yeah, you got she, to incorporate like, do squats with her, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, and what are people going to say? You got a bronze medal out of it, so. That's exactly um, it. I was so thankful for that bronze medal because it spoke, it spoke what I couldn't say, you know, that, that, uh you know, it was good for me to trust myself. It was the right decision for the way that I went about, about things. Well then, so how did you transition from, um, outside of a competitor and into the coaching atmosphere? Um, well, I don't know if the competitor is completely gone, but the coaching, the (laughs) the coaching is still, the coaching had to be a natural progression, right? If I want to still be a part of wrestling after a certain point, right? Because mentally I might be still, you know, at my world level, but physically my body's like, what are you doing? Like, stop it. (laughs) So, like, so, so I, um, this was right before COVID. I, I was just, uh, thinking, I need to, to need to do something. I saw that a lot of colleges and universities were, you know, coming up with women's wrestling programs. And I picked the one that was kind of closest to us. I got, somebody reached out to me, I think for a few different jobs, but I, I chose Delaware Valley at that time. So I was on the East coast. It was for a lot of reasons, small school, semi-rural area, good traffic pattern on the way to work. Um, you know, being on the East coast, that's a factor. So I chose that. I got hired and I spent three years there building their program. It was, it was a great experience. Um, it was much more challenging than I thought it would be. Uh, just being a college, you know, full-time head coach, it's like your whole entire life got consumed and absorbed, um, you know, in, in, uh, building a wrestling program. It was great. It was a great experience. Um, I'm enjoying transferring over to GCU as an assistant coach. I probably should have done it the reverse. I probably should have become an assistant coach first and then went to the head coaching position. But, you know, Lee James is like, challenge accepted. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't so, seem like a very traditional individual. No, I'm like, let's go this way and let's try this. I thought I did a great job with, with uh, Delaware, Valley, <laughs> Delaware Valley's program. Um, I think they're starting to see the the – I'm not a conventional thinker, um, especially when it's – kind of like do or die type position, you know, like you need to make this happen or, you know, or it's all going to fall apart, you know, especially two years in a program, uh, two years, first two years of a startup in a program are incredibly difficult. Um, so I, their program is still going on today and I, and I see some of my athletes, they're doing great. So I'm happy to see that for them. Uh, but I went over to GCU because Arizona is warmer 
Um, I have family here. Uh, I was kind of sick of the, the snow and the cold and the bronchitis and, uh, and decided that, uh, you know, maybe we'll get back into coaching again, but I didn't want to make it so serious. I have a lot of different things going on at this time. And GCU is a great school. It's a huge Christian-based school. It's The price is right. The education is really good. Most of the sports there are D1. Facilities are amazing. And so um, I, you know, took that knowledge from Delaware Valley and brought it over to GCU. We have 23 committed this year, so, and counting. I love seeing I love seeing more of these um, more women wrestlers starting to take these coaching positions, especially for the um, for women's wrestling um, teams, because I feel like that's such a huge, at least in my opinion, that's actually the next question I was going to go into is, um, you know, what do you think we can do to continue to grow women's wrestling um, in you know, all across the country? That's one of my thoughts is, you know, more more female wrestlers in, you know, coaching positions. So they have that. um, you know, have that, that person that they can look to and be like, okay, this is, or maybe just that comfort level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I know for us, it's been a little bit of a, not challenge, but slow growing the, our women, our girls program, mm-hmm. but we're very lucky to have such an awesome uh, women's coach over, over here in Niceville uh, with Rachel Groft. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's helped. Um, so where, mm-hmm. where do you stand on that on growing women's wrestling? Yeah, I definitely think having a female representative, even if it's an assistant coach is important um, for the comfort level of, you know, of athletes. Uh, I think getting more colleges that are in a a price range that's actually reasonable and that the education is, um, it's a good quality education, a good degree, um, or a good program rather from an academic standpoint. A lot of women wrestlers are, they're smart. They're, they're, I'm not saying every single one of them, but I would say most of the student athletes that I'm speaking to, have a really nice GPA, have great merit, have a lot of things that they're doing well and deserve the opportunity to go to a university, not end up with $80,000 of student loan debt, um, and to be able to compete for, you know, the school, um, you know, and, and have all of those things, you know, like I said, have a good degree programs, um, academically sound programs, um, to have nice facilities and to have the, the cost of education not be outrageous. I think that's why GCU is taking off because they have those three things. And I'm realizing that those are key components to being able to grow women's wrestling. If I want to become a doctor and the only place I can go to become a doctor and compete costs $63,000 for my undergrad per year, how am I going to be able to afford the remaining education that I need post-undergrad to make it logically, I'm a smart person here, logically, how can I make that work and be okay with it? Something's got to give. Is it going to be my doctorate or the fact that I want to become a doctor? No, of course not. It's going to be wrestling. I'm not going to continue wrestling because it makes no sense. So I think being able to offer women's wrestling or even wrestling, whether, you know, both sides, men's and women's, I don't ever want to take away from a men's, the men's side of things, um, you know, being able to offer them at these universities that have, you know, the cost of education being somewhere reasonable, um, having the nice facilities and having, you know, um, bringing that opportunity that's not going to break the bank and people can make good financial decisions as far as their education goes. So that would be what I would say right now. It's probably going to change again next year. I'm going to think something else might be necessary in order for us to grow. Um, but just comparing the school that I was and the school that I am at right now, 
Um, and the reason why I feel like we're being we're more successful is because of the cost of education and the quality of education that we're getting at GCU. Um, and, you know, what the student athlete experience is going to look like at GCU being a very good one with the facilities and and what is being offered to to each student athlete individually. Yeah, sure. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to keep on because I could ask you questions all day. <laughs> um, so I got I got two more. Um, okay. One, what is your opinion on folk style wrestling versus um, freestyle wrestling for a lot of these girls that are going from high school wrestling folk style to going to college and having to wrestle freestyle? Um, you know, for guys, it's you know generally the same. If we want to go off and do freestyle international sure. styles, there's you know all sorts of stuff, but it's pretty much the same transition from high school to college. Um, where do you stand on that? Uh. I, the only reason why, I mean, obviously it would be great if we could, if we could do freestyle, uh, for girls earlier, because obviously that's where our future is. But I understand, uh, I understand why process wise we have to make it folk style for girls in high school. And I don't think it's a big deal. We get to wrestle in high school and, and we're being sanctioned across the country, um, because we're, we were willing to compromise in the sense that we're going to wrestle folk style because it's the same referees. It's the same tournament. It's the same mats. It's the same coaches. If we complained about going and, and mandated that it, it has to be freestyle, we would not be where we are today as far as sanctioning high school girls wrestling because we would have to find different coaches that understood freestyle. We would have to find different officials that understood freestyle, even down to having a different mat and different processes and all that stuff. We would be holding ourselves back. Aren't, there are a lot of other countries around the world that have different styles of wrestling as their national sport. You know, we have a great history and a great, um, foundation of folk style wrestling. It's a huge tradition in our country. And I think that's something that needs to be honored. Folk style is a tradition. Learning folk style wrestling only helps your freestyle wrestling. It only helps you understand how to control your opponent, how to break them down, how to get to these positions, how to, you know, that it only helps. I mean, you can look at Gabe Stevenson. He never really learned and went out of his way to do anything different in his freestyle matches. He did a go behind to win the Olympic medal at the last second. That's a go behind the same go behind that you would have in both styles. So you can't say that folk style is holding freestyle back. Folk style helps freestyle because it's more mat time and it allows us a chance to grow as a population of female wrestlers in high school and at the grassroots level. So folk style is doing us a favor by allowing us to open the door for women's wrestling. If you want to do freestyle, get yourself into a freestyle room, um, you know, get to some of these uh, statewide practices, uh, attend some of these state you know, state championships and state competitions that, that are, or these camps and clinics during the summertime, uh, that are going to help you develop your freestyle skills. Um, you know, it's not a hindrance. A lot of the folk style moves and a lot of the folk style positions you can use to capitalize in your freestyle matches. So I always tell my athletes, like, don't be intimidated by that. A half is the same in both styles. A snap down and a go behind is the same in both styles. Your head and arms is the same in both styles, arm spins, all these things. The only difference is the way we score some of these positions, and that's going to happen. You're going to learn those things as you start to get more familiar with the rules and the and and the way that that game is played. So, um, you know, I understand process-wise, 
And I appreciate Folk Style for allowing us to have the door open for women's wrestling and for people to be, um, you know, inclusive enough to allow other girls to be able to take the mat alongside of their male counterparts in high school sports. And so I, um, I'm grateful for Folk Style if that in, I would say that in that many words. <laughs> I love that answer. I'm a big, I'm, I'm big on Folk Style. I'm trying to talk people in the, into the uh, viability of a like pro folk style league for America, very similar to like the NFL. Like, oh, okay. you know, we, every, everybody, everybody's got football, you know, but we only got American football. So it's kind sure. of like the same thing. Sure. But we did something on, like that. that. We did some sort of pro league. No, and they didn't. They, they tried. didn't. They, they did. did. Everybody, everybody tries to, everybody tries there to There was a fire and it that burned down. <laughs> that was a that was that was a combination a weird combination of freestyle and greco yeah and, i know that was that uh, that's you gotta do folk style it's like because like just like you were saying it's built into the school system and it's like we already got dudes wrestling until they're 25 26 27 in the ncaa tournament anyway mm-hmm. i'm not gonna get off on that I, I you get me on that tangent we'll be here for another hour um so what my last question, um, you had such high success for somebody that entered the game, you know, pretty late um in in high school. What do you what advice would you give to that wrestler, male or female, that's coming in as like, you know, maybe a freshman or a sophomore or a junior, never having wrestled um before? Um, what would you say to that person to maybe get them to step on that mat for the first time? You won't last two weeks in the wrestling room. <laughs> nice callback yeah <laughs> now I, I i just think you know get started you know be a lot of people like my i had one girl that was uh started at the same time as me debbie rodriguez she was much better in folk style uh she was much better in high school than i was it was two of us um but i took it further than she did so i would say everybody's journey is different um you know don't compare where you're at to anybody else if this is something you really want to do uh you know Focus on it. Put the right people around you. Do your best to absorb and learn what the the coaches are telling you. And I think most importantly, not just listen to your coaches because wrestling is an emotional sport. Learn how to control your emotions so that you can take constructive feedback at the moment that you really need it the most, which is right after you make a mistake or right after you, you know, don't do something well and your coach notices it. Stop, listen, and try to apply that feedback as soon as possible and make it muscle memory. Women's wrestling, it, it, obviously it's emotional for everybody, but women tend to be, I would say like the statistics, I think men cry seven, seven percent of the year and women cry like somewhere between 30 to 60%. So, you know, it's emotionally charged sport as it is. So once you learn to control your emotions and control your mind and how it thinks to accept that feedback and to be able to apply that feedback immediately. And I would say that's all new wrestlers, you know, be a sponge of that information and then filter it as you learn how your body works in comparison to the sport. So that I think that you'll go a lot further faster, um, especially if you just you know wipe those tears, lick those wounds, and get right back out there and apply yourself right away. Yeah, don't spend too much time in that uh, in that hallway. Taking trash cans and punching lockers. It's not gonna. It's not gonna help cans. you. It's not gonna help. Not gonna, <laughs> yeah, you feel better for a little bit, but. But we appreciate you coming on, man. We don't want to waste too much of your time. I know you have a long flight coming over here to North Florida this weekend. I'm so, so if anybody, uh, if anybody hasn't heard about it, Leah is coming to run a clinic, a clinic at the Niceville Wrestling Academy, May fifth, sixth, and seventh, 
um, all freestyle. So if you're looking to get into it, uh, it's a great opportunity. We have a beginner and an advanced sessions. Uh, link will be in the description. Leah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to meeting you this weekend. Yes. Um, uh, and also a side note, I did finish the camp shirt. So I do have a QR code I can share with you for that too. That sounds good. Hey, we'll get it out there. All right. <laughs> thank you so much. No worries, ma'am. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye.